Hey, hello, welcome to episode 319 of the Juicebox podcast. Today is an extension of the After Dark series. So this is the moment, if you're like in the room or riding in the car with your children, that you start going la 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 and then push pause and get back to this later. Because today's show is with Alex, and Alex is going to talk about having type 1 diabetes and doing the foxtrot. The nasty, you know, playing doctor, going for a roll in the hay, doing the deed. Hot, you know, I'm not saying that one, although I used to know a guy who said that, but I'm not saying that one. Never mind. (laughs) Okay, hold on. Let me get back to this ridiculous list. (laughs) I can't say that either. Hold on. Uh, um, (laughs) Stupid list is ridiculous. All right, I'm ruining the mood. Uh, Shuck the oyster. Ride the baloney pony. You know, boinking, porking. If you're not following along, I guess I need to spell it out for you. This episode of the podcast is from a female perspective. It's about having sex and type 1 diabetes. All joking aside, I believe there are only two bleeps in the entire episode. In this episode, everything is dealt with in a fairly, you know, adult way. It's a lot of euphemisms and talking around things. I still wouldn't like, you know, let your kids listen to it, but... There's no real dirty words, although if you think penis is a dirty word, then there are dirty words. I just don't think it is. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, Omnipod, and Touched by Type 1. Check out the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. And get a free no-obligation demo of the Omnipod today at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. As always, you can check out Touched by Type 1 at touchedbytype1.org. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Hi, Alex. Is that Alex Hi. or Alexandra? What do you prefer? You can call me Alex. Alex. Excellent. How old were you when you were diagnosed with type 1? Um, I was 26, so I was a little bit older in life. I have m- probably more of a unique story about it. Um, I had nobody in my family that was diabetic at all. Um, like no type two, like nothing. And so my uncle that by marriage, um, he had type one, but I really didn't know anything about it. And so I actually went in for like a very routine life insurance exam where they draw your blood. And, um, I got a letter in the mail that basically was like, you're denied for life insurance. And, um, and I was working for an insurance company at the time. And so the agent that I'd been working with was just like, Oh, this has to be a mistake, you know? And so I took the, I took the note into the doctor. Um, and he looked, he took one look at me. I'm tall and, you know, thin for the most part and was like, Oh no, this must be a mistake. They must've, um, you know, switched your blood results with somebody. And sure enough, um, they took a, they did a two hour blood glucose, you know, tolerance test and came back. I was diabetic and they, 
Um, at the time, like, you know, my A1C, I think was uh, a 10.8. Um, but I really didn't feel bad. I had no symptoms. And um, the only thing was I had really bad leg cramps in the middle of the night, probably because I was dehydrated. Um, and I drink a ton of water all the time. I always have. So right. there wasn't really anything that was blaring of, oh man, you, you know, you're diabetic, but, um, Alex, you, so were, that you first, were diagnosed oh, by male. I was diagnosed by male. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you no one else has that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just like, it was, and then just the experience from there was, it's kind of awful. Um, I, you know, I was in the, at the doctor and they were like, oh, you must have type two because you're older. Like they just, yeah. it was a primary care physician. They didn't really understand, you know, why I would have it, it didn't run my family. Right. And then I finally got with a good endocrinologist and he was like, no, absolutely. This is actually, you know, becoming more and more normal, um, for people, you know, that are 26, actually Jay Cutler, you know, from the Chicago bears had gotten diagnosed about two weeks before me. Um, and he was 26 also. So, um, he knew of his story, which I thought was kind of fun, fun to know, but yeah, that, that was the story. And then, you know, th like when you're diagnosed older, there's a lot that you just have no educational tools because, you know, you've got maybe diabetes camp, you've got your parents to, um, to help you. It was just me. And so right. it was, um, kind of a lonely experience when I was first diagnosed and I got in with, thank God I got in with, um, a research study, which was a huge blessing for me because I then all of a sudden had a huge team of, uh, research, you know, doctors and dietitians and all kinds of people I could go to whenever I wanted. And I met other people through that research program that had diabetes. Mm -hmm. That was super helpful, which is a, a, another story, but like build a little community through that. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And my, I mean, still to this day, my parents, like my dad asked me recently if I could go on pills soon to take care of my diabetes. Like my parents still do not understand the disease at all. Yeah. Um, I'm 37 now, by the way. So 11 years. it's, it's just been me, you know, doing, doing it. Yeah. Wow. Um, were you, uh, did you have a partner or spouse or anything when you were diagnosed, a boyfriend, <laughs> girlfriend, anything? I, I did. Um, so this is another really interesting part of the story, which I think lends itself all to this episode. So at the time when I was diagnosed, um, I had been broken up with my then boyfriend of about four and a half years for maybe a few months. Um, and I'll skip to the end of the story. He, he becomes my husband and, and we are divorced today, but, um, when I got diagnosed, I was, again, I had nobody to really talk to about it. And, um, we had broken up for, we'd been broken up for a few times, a few months for very good reasons. And he was really the person I turned to, um, you know, cause I was shocked. I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. Right. And because of that, we ended up, you know, rekindling our, our relationship, um, eventually ended up, you know, becoming engaged and got married. And then really as soon as our you know, things after our marriage, you know, after about a year or two, a lot of the problems that made us break up the first time, uh, resurfaced, uh, that I feel like the diabetes kind of, it created this bond almost, um, you know, a false bond between us, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just my, my diagnosis and everything. So it, it's an, it, it's an interesting twist of the story. Diabetes is actually what made me get back together with my boyfriend who then turned into my husband, who then it was never really a super perfect relationship. And then we ended up getting divorced. Oh, that's crazy. You have all kinds yeah. of crazy stories. All right. You're the right person for this. Excellent. Um, <laughs> excellent, 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 excellent. I'm excited. All right. I have to text my daughter real quick about her insulin. And uh, she seems to be ignoring me at the moment.
or not seeing my text, I would assume kids more sometimes likely. do that. Yeah, I think she's just not seeing it. But I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ring her phone to try to make her notice that her phone's vibrating. Um, hmm. Wow, you've already said a lot. I this is very <laughs> exciting because because you have layers because you've oh you have so many layers. You had you had sex as an adult who was newly diagnosed, and mm-hmm. then as a married person and. I'm not painting you in any light right now, but I'm assuming as a single person as well. So, um, yep. yeah, you haven't become abstinent, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, so <laughs> that'd be amazing if you're like, you know what I've decided is really messing this all up. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. so uh, okay, so let's really start a little more with the diabetes. You're diagnosed at 26. It's so scary and you're so alone that you reach out to the only person you still feel reasonably connected to, which happens to be an ex and and to look for moral support, to look for diabetes support, what was it you wanted? Did you just want to not feel alone right then? Like, what was that? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, I had been with him for four and a half years, and and I have nothing bad to say about my ex. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a very good man, um, still is, and he's remarried now, and I'm super happy for him to be remarried. But um, I really, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. And so he was definitely wanting to come back into my life at that point. And so any opportunity he could take. So he was like, do you want me to go to the doctor's appointment with you? And I said, of course. So he, those first couple of appointments, um, he actually went with me too, you know, and then I, he was there. I remember doing my very first insulin shot by myself and he was there, you know, watching me and being like, well, you know, is, are you doing it right? You know, like kind of making sure that I was um, following all the, the orders and everything. So yeah, it was really just this emotional crutch of, um, I didn't want to do it alone. I didn't want to have to process all of this information by myself. It was really easy to have somebody to do it, you know, to do it with me, to be in my corner at that time. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and he was, as most guys have found themselves in some point in their life, looking for a way to get back with some girl they maybe felt like they messed up with. Is that about right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Okay. We've Even all- just um, exercising and some of the things that I needed to implement he was like let's go for a run let's go do this cool well so so he filled but well, he's smart good for him uh <laughs> well, you don't realize alex guys are just running around like we're ugly and weird and we smell funny and we're just like how can we make these girls like us and then eventually you figure out you shouldn't be with us and then we're like oh how do we trick them again <laughs> so like, like how do we how do we get them to give us one more try but that's amazing that that's kind of the catalyst that made that happen um Yep. Were you on a pump right away or were you doing MDI at that point? No. How did it go? So I am also very old school. So my uncle who is diabetic, um, you know, he, again, he's by marriage. So, um, but he, he was very helpful, but he's very old school in his approach. And I still am a little old school in my approach. I actually just got on a Dexcom a little over a year ago. Okay. I had been doing I had been testing my blood sugar the old-fashioned way up until that point, if you can believe it. And I'm still on pens. And I am right now um, about to meet with my diabetes educator to start the process of getting on a pump. And honestly, your podcast is is what's been, like, putting the pressure on me of, like, I don't know why I'm on a pump, but – I can talk more about this, but a lot of the reason I was, I've been afraid about wearing something on my body all the time is because I'm single and because I'm a sexual person and I don't want people judging me for wearing all of this stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, so that's been, that's been kind of a mental 
block, which is crazy. You know, I could make my life so much easier if I would just get with a program, put the stuff on and then just meet people and go, look, this is me. This is what I got going yeah. on. And the ones that, the yeah, ones that don't mean, care, won't care. And the ones that do care, you probably didn't want to be with anyway. Yeah. yeah. The Dexcom was, I don't know why I was, I wasn't really super resistant to it, but I don't know why it took me so long to get on the Dexcom. Dexcom changed my life. I yeah. mean, it's amazing. It's pretty cool. Um, all right. So we'll do some more diabetes talk. Like that's cool. Like let's find the way it works. Right. So you just started Dexcom a year ago. Yeah, uh, it was two Octobers ago. So, yep, just oh. a year ago, and I was again and you had my blood for sugar. A decade by then. Was your what? What got you to it? Was your A one C not where you wanted? Were you getting low a lot? It. Like- yeah, I feel like, and I don't really know the science behind it all, but I feel like I had a really long honeymoon phase of where I was able to really manage everything pretty well. Like gotcha. my, my A1C was always below seven. Um, no matter what, you know, it would kind of vary anywhere between like a 6.2 and a 6.7. But then all of a sudden I started to, I, I, I hit a seven. And so that's what really, uh, scared me a little bit. And I was like, Oh, I gotta get on a desk. I, I gotta get on Dexcom now. Like this is, what am I doing? Right. That's amazing. Um, the, in, and it happens to everybody at some point or other. They're just like, I wish I was doing like you hear something eventually, or you see something, or you meet another person that has diabetes, and you're like, how do they have a six? Like, what what magic thing do they know? And it's usually nothing magical, right? It's just you're doing something slightly differently, and, mm-hmm. it, and it works out better. So have have you gotten the decrease in A1C that you were hoping for? Yeah, I had kind of a... I As soon as I got on the Dexcom, I went back down to 6.7, but, but more, re- more recently, I went back up to, I mean, I can bear, it's so funny. I'm like embarrassed to say these numbers out loud. It's like horrifying to me, but I went up to a 7.8 after that. And, and I just went to the, went to the endocrinologist and I was at a 7.2. So it's gotten better. But I think that's the point right now where I'm with the pump is I, I just need, I need half units. I need to really control my highs a lot more than Mm -hmm. I do. Um, I've been, I get lazy with them. Yeah. Well, isn't it – it's so interesting that you're embarrassed to say the number, right? But you're on yeah. here to talk about having sex with type 1 diabetes. That you're not embarrassed <laughs> by. This, no. And, and it's not – I don't even mean it to be funny, although it is. I mean it to be telling about how pressure-filled that A1C number can feel, right? That that's scarier to you than – finding uh having your voice recorded with another adult that you don't know who at some point is going to ask you if your dexcom gets in the way during doggy style more so than in a different position and that you're just like oh i'd be happy to talk about that um it's really people don't recognize how yeah i mean you know what that's unfair i think most people who have type 1 diabetes recognize how hard it is to hear that number when it's not going the way you want it to um would you call like your bigger changes lifestyle? Would you call them the way you're using your insulin? What's changed about your, your care, I guess. I don't, I honestly, that's a great question. Um, I think that I'm just getting older and I think that my body is just, you know, is changing. I still work out. I'm, I've started to do a different type of exercise. Um, I do a lot more hit exercises now, which makes my numbers skyrocket. Okay. And which is good. It's good. It's healthy for me. But um, I'm I have not really figured out the best way to address. Like I don't go low from exercise. Everybody else does. I do not. Um, so that's what's kind of crazy. I haven't quite figured it out. So I'm 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 afraid of going low though. 
so I don't really correct for it. Well, there's a great episode about um, exercise if you ever want to listen to it. Um, there's an entire series about managing insulin called Diabetes Pro Tip. And it starts around episode mm. 210 and it takes you, it steps you right through everything. MDI, starting over, using shots, using a pump, using your CGM, all that stuff. So, and eventually we get to how to manage your exercise without getting low while you're exercising. I probably, yeah, I probably need to listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually with me and a CDE who comes on the show sometimes named Jenny. She's amazing. She's had diabetes for like well over 30 years. So, okay. and she's a CDE. So she's just, I have her on because she's amazing. And the way she talks about diabetes is, it, it fits really well with the way I think about it too. And I just, I love how she talks about it. But anyway, that's not why you're here. You're here because of exactly what you just said. Like I'm scared to put on a device because, I mean, is it as basic as it doesn't seem sexy? Omnipod would love to send you an absolutely free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump today. Just go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, fill out a tiny bit of information, and your demo pod will be on its way. They're gonna send you an entire pod experience kit. It's gonna come right to your house. And what's that experience gonna entail? Well, you can put the pod on and see how you like it. You can actually live your life with it. Get a shower, go for a walk, do some exercise. We're keeping with today's theme, try a new position. How does the pod, you know, perform in that situation? MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Check it out today because in all seriousness, the Omnipod is an amazing insulin pump. It does not require you to have tubing. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Leave it on when you shower or whatever else you're doing. Now, in a few minutes, Alex is going to talk about the rigors of, you know, adult time and type 1 diabetes. And I think you're going to find that being able to see your blood sugar pre, during, and after is really important. To see the direction and the speed that it's moving so that you can, you know, plan appropriately, prepare in ways that make sense, and even catch a low. The Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor allows you to see your blood sugar as it's happening. Not just the number, but the speed and direction that it's moving in. And in every aspect of life, that's an amazing thing. But you know, during activity, it's even more important. So if you're kicking a soccer ball or, you know, doing something else, you should know what your blood sugar is. And what's one way to keep your diabetes from being invasive during those moments? Whether they be, you know, the ones we're talking about today, or just regular old going to the gym, driving a car, just living your life with type 1 diabetes. That is really what we're talking about, right? It's about living a life that is less encumbered, that's more normal, that doesn't get stopped all the time to make an adjustment to your blood sugar. So whether you're looking for an insulin pump that won't get in the way, one that'll help you make easy adjustments to temporary basal rates for activity, or the glucose monitor that my daughter has been using for, a, you know, feels weird invoking my daughter right now. So let's just say the greatest glucose monitor in the world, the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. 
myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, or you can get those links at juiceboxpodcast.com always. They're even right here in the podcast player in the show notes. And when you're all done, go cleanse your palate at touchedbytype1.org. Just go see some wholesome, lovely things being done with and for people living with type 1 diabetes. You might need a little brain sherbet after this is over. Let's get back to Alex. Is it as basic as it doesn't seem sexy? I, when I was, I'll tell you this. Yeah. When I was first getting my Dexcom, I, I did have a boyfriend at the time and it, I had so much anxiety that I picked a fight with him the first night I had it so that we could, we wouldn't have sex because I was so scared for him to see it on me. I just felt like it was, it was something that looked weird and he wasn't going to accept me and it was completely in my own head. But I don't think I'm alone in thinking that, um, especially when you are single and you're late thirties and you're dating and you're, and you're meeting people and I'm, I'm not going to say like, I don't have casual sex on a regular basis. That's not really who I am, but mm-hmm. you're still, you're sleeping with somebody when you don't know them super, super well. Right. So you're afraid of what they're going to think of you. You're afraid that they're not going to think that you're as beautiful. We as women, especially get very sensitive about that kind of thing. So it's a lot of anxiety that goes with it. No, I, I don't know that I understand, but I, I hear what you're saying. Like I, 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 because the other side of it is I wish you could be in guys' brains. Like you could probably, you know, wear metal boots and I don't think anyone would care. <laughs> I would just be like, Oh, sure. I don't know why that girl wants to wear metal boots. Not going to stop me though. Um, and it, it, but I get it. Like that idea of like, it's going to come out. It's going to be something you can't, you can't, I'm assuming change, right? You want to use a Dexcom now. So that's that. And, and you really thought even a guy you were dating, like he'd see that and just be like, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't make any logical sense. Right. No, that's what I want to hear, how it feels. Yeah. It, it does not make any logical sense, but it's like, I'm from Dallas. I'm a Southern woman. I was raised to think a certain way that, that I needed to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, and as we grow to adults, it's just this undoing of all of these thoughts that we, that we grew up thinking yeah. of, I need to look a certain way and I need to be in a certain physique shape you know, or, or else I can't be naked in front of somebody. Wow. Um, so yeah, it doesn't make any sense. How, so how did the, did that ever go into you explaining to him what, how that night went the way it went? Yeah, he, he was, um, I, I did finally talk to him about it and he was like, you are literally picking this fight right now, you know, on purpose. And so he talked to me, you know, we, we talked through it and it was fine, but you know, it's funny, even my mother, when I was getting, the Dexcom. My, my mom and I never really talk openly about sex, but we 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 do and we don't. She, we, it's like we talk around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a um, a matchmaker for years, so she understands dating. And she, you know, we've always like had an open dialogue about dating and that kind of thing. But even she was like, "Oh, are you going to put that on your stomach?" And I knew what she was asking me. Like, isn't that going to get in the way of you having sex? Like, I already knew it. Um, so yeah, all of that stuff. It's just a consideration when you're when you're first getting that Dexcom, you're like, well, how's this going to work? Right. Is, is he going to rip this off of me? Yeah. We're not gentle people as a, <laughs> as a, as a species, like, you know, uh, and then you get into just the men. We're, we're not even smart really half the time. So, uh, it, and especially in that situation, you really thought does go out the window. So that is one of the concerns, right? Like, is it going to get knocked off? Is it going to get ripped off? Are there places where it's safer? 
Yeah, I typically only, I do stay away from the stomach. I did it like a little bit when I first got it, but I typically only wear it on the back of my arms. I mean, that there's a few reasons I do that. I think everybody feels a lot more comfortable with it on the back of their arms, mm-hmm. at least I do. And then I just started putting it kind of right above my butt a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I don't want it on my stomach I, <laughs> for that specific reason, frankly. I'm now imagining somebody listening who's like, I'm into bondage and the arms don't work. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so is it, do, did you find yourself mentioning it? Did you find yourself saying, Hey, look, my CGM is here. Don't knock it off. Be careful. Did it change the lovemaking at all? Like, did it get like safer? I'm, I'm more confident. Like, I mean, I think at first you're just so scared of it ripping off. I I have ripped mine off one time when I was doing Pilates, which did not feel good. Hmm. Um, but I don't think a guy really can rip it off. Like it's pretty on there. So you start to just get more confident with it. I think. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the worst thing can be like banging into it, right? Like pressing on it, like especially Mm -hmm. a pump or an infusion site like you, you would, you know, I I'm wondering, do you know what pump you're looking into? Uh, I'm looking into the Omnipod mostly because your podcast, because you guys you talk about it all the time. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, so put it somewhere where it's just not going to get compressed. Like that's the bigger issue, right? Because sometimes that could or get and and you don't want it to get hit. Like you know, I can't believe I'm going to bring up my 15 year old daughter in this conversation, but like sometimes, like when I see a pump get banged into, she's like, "Ow!" I don't know if it really hurts or if it frightens her that it's going to hurt. I kind of can't tell the difference sometimes if that makes sense. Um, but you know, but she doesn't think about it ever, but if you bump into it, you can see her be like, Oh, watch out for my pod. Um, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, I think it's the fear. Anybody who's had one ripped out before, especially by a Pilates machine, you are just have so much fear that some, this is going to be the thing that rips it out again. Right. Right. And and, yeah, right. You've had the experience once and it's unpleasant and you're trying to protect yourself from it again. Got Yeah. Right. So now do you do any adjustments to your insulin? All right, hold on a second, Alex. It, it, it are all I'm assuming all of your sessions aren't the same in intensity or length. No. Right? So No. <laughs> so I guess it's so is there a preparation for I'm just going to let him do this so I can go to sleep versus I really like him today and we're going to go for it here? Um so yeah, I think depending on the person I've been with, it's like I do think that I've handled my diabetes a little bit differently and okay. it really just is directly related to how long the person likes to have sex or how long I want to have sex. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's, it's definitely related to that. I almost never start the process without checking my Dexcom first to see where I'm at because there have been, and it's not pleasant when you have to stop in the middle and get up and get juice. There's like nothing, there's not a mood killer worse than (laughs) saying, then you're, you know, that, Amber alert going off. That sound going beep, off. Beep, beep. Different walk of shame, of huh, Alex? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's awful. So, um, yeah, I usually check beforehand. And then I don't, you know, again, I don't have a pump. And so for me to go get a shot or to, you know, I, I have gone and gotten juice, but mm. I wouldn't, if I'm high, I'm just going to kind of, if I'm feeling good and I'm high, I'm not going to like take insulin before I have, um, sex to bring it down. That doesn't really affect me at all, but, um, definitely I've went and gotten juice and checked beforehand because I've learned from that mistake. Right. I, I have to admit just now when you said, if I'm high, I was so hoping you were going to say, I just ride it out. I was looking for the <laughs> pun there and then it didn't happen. It's fine. Don't feel pressured to pun during this. Um, yeah. so 
so interested seriously for a second and i'm gonna flip-flop between being interested and being stupid probably a lot over the next half an hour just so you know um when you get low while you're having sex do you notice I do. I, I'm really sensitive to being low. So as soon as I get like 72, even I'll start to feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, and it's mostly like you can't focus, you know, as women, um, we, I personally, if I'm going to have an orgasm, I have to focus on it. And so your focus starts to get, uh, clouded a bit if you're low. And so that's something that nobody talks about it for me, at least that's how I feel. So I want to make sure that I'm in a good range before I even start so I can, my brain function is working and I can focus on how it feels. Okay. Well, I have, um, I've had sex before and I can (laughs) vouch for my perspective of a lady's need to focus during that situation. So I I think that's, you know, I think it's obvious, right? Like, and so if you're a little low, you can't focus. If you can't focus, you can't orgasm. And then you're just caught in a silly loop of this guy mindlessly banging away. You're never going to get to where you're going. And he's probably thinking, Jesus, how long is this going to take her? And, <laughs> and you're caught in this crazy loop when you really just need a juice. Um, but yep. is it hard yeah. to come back to it after that? Yeah, that's pretty much going to be. Um, I, is that the I, end? That's kind of, well, it's like, it's like halftime maybe, you know, okay. <laughs> when you take a break. And men have to deal with that too. You know, it's not, it's it's not just a diabetic issue. Men have their own set of issues sometimes with that kind of thing, um, where you have to sort of take a, an intermission or a break, um, mm-hmm. and come back to it. But yeah, that that's usually like, you need a good 10 or 15 minute break and then maybe you'll come back to it. Gotcha. Uh, and so it, it has gone either way where you've just been like, okay, well that's the end of this. Uh, right. do you, have you caught any, um, looking for the right word, uh, I don't, anger is not the right word, but have, have guys ever felt like, Hey, this not over or, or is it a different world now in 2020 where they're just like, Oh, mm, you know, no, a different world. I'm yeah. not going to date somebody. I'll be honest. I'm not going to date somebody who's going to get mad or affected by that by at that. all. Okay. Like, you sh- nor should anybody else out there. hundred percent. Like, I just think that like, I can imagine a scenario where, you know, the guy's worked up and he's like, yo, I'm not done. Like, like, you know, and, and does that. And does that feel, I guess my bigger question is if that happens, do you feel pressure to go do something extra that you're maybe not up for doing to make them not feel like, Hey, sex doesn't end the way it's supposed to end with Alex. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. Um, I personally have not. And I think it goes, I'm, I mean, I have very strong opinions and views about like, like, I'm a woman and like, I have my needs and like my needs are go first, you know? And so it's like, I need to take care of this and I'm sorry about you. Like you'll, you'll have an orgasm at some point again, like you'll, you'll be okay. So that's just me. And I hope everybody else kind of feels the same, the same, like they don't, nobody should ever be putting themselves in this position that they feel like they have to do something for somebody else because they're complaining. Like they'll get over it. I I am oddly and not in a sexual way, but I am in my head thinking like my daughter's 15. I don't believe she's sexually active at all, but she will be one day. And like, will like, I just found myself thinking like, is she going to get pressured now? Like if she gets low while she's having intercourse, is she going to get pressured by some guy who's like, yo, come finish this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is that going to happen to her? And so I guess, I mean, probably, I mean, if I'm being really honest, it's probably will. And I'm sure that she was raised by you and she hopefully has a lot of confidence in who she is. And we, as women, I I just think the whole conversation around sexuality is changing. Mm -hmm. It, it should be just as much for us as it is for the man. And so if you're not fulfilled, he's not fulfilled and vice versa. And 
come back to it, you know, yeah. come back to it when you're both feeling confident and ready to do it, but don't do something that just because the other person wants to. Right. Have you ever mistaken a low and gotten in a situation where you're not capable of helping yourself? Um, thank God I have not. I, not to that, not to a really significant point, I should say. When I was married a few times, I had my, um, husband, you know, he, he needed to get up and go get me juice. I was conscious and everything, but definitely I wasn't really in my right state of mind. I was very sweaty and he did have to go get me juice. Um, and then now I I make it a point and this is probably a good segue. I make it a point when I am dating somebody new and we've gotten past, we've gotten to the point where we're having, you know, adult sleepovers, they need to have juice in their house. They need to have candy. They need to have something for me. And I make that very clear. And I hope that other people do too, when they're dating, because it's, it's not always easy to have that conversation, but I've gotten to a point where I'm confident in myself. And if this person wants me to sleep over at their house, they will go to Seven Eleven and they will go get me some juice. Like that's just a basic need. You, I need. You don't want to have to show up to spend the night with a guy and bring your supplies with you to that right. degree. Right. That makes sense right. to me. Yeah. And I always have something with me, but it's like, I, if in the middle, I usually, in the middle of the night. I don't like eating stuff in the middle of the night. I just, juice is just what does it for me. Mm-hmm. So I like having somebody that has orange juice in their fridge. Like don't be a college frat bro and have an issue about it. Just go get the juice. If you know I'm coming over. Right. Right. No, it makes, I listen, it makes sense to me. Um, so uh, my first question was, my brain's jumping all over the place, but do you see on their face? Like, are they worried about you in the beginning? Uh, I think the ones I have, a, I am in a extremely wonderful, healthy relationship right now. It's only been a few months, but he's amazing. And he was very concerned when I told him, um, and he, you know, wanted to know everything about it. I've had different experiences with that in the past, you know, when you're telling somebody and, and I think people choose different points to tell the person they're with, I wear a Dexcon on my arm now. So if it's in the summertime, the, the person usually sees it on the first date mm-hmm. and sometimes they ask and sometimes they don't, but, um, usually the men that I feel like have been good partners for me personally are, they see it, they want to know about it. They want to understand what their responsibility is in it. Good. That's excellent. Really. Then, so do you tell them like, you know, I'm, we, we drop our kids off from school, you know, to school when they have diabetes and we tell them like, Hey, you can look for like, you know, here are the signs that you might look for, for a low blood sugar. Do you have to like, do you have that conversation? Um, I think that, not immediately. Uh, I usually stick to sort of the clinical, like this is what this disease is mm-hmm. on a first date. If they ask, I never, I never really proactively bring it up unless it just naturally comes up in conversation. Yeah. It is something like when you're getting to know somebody, it's a very personal thing for me. So I, I actually, I'm really curious how other people handle that. Um, if, if they just come out and tell people, you know, proactively, or if they wait for somebody to ask, but I'm typically in the camp of, I'm going to wait for somebody to ask. Okay. And, um, and then I, and then I kind of go through, you know, this is what it is. And then eventually, you know, maybe date three or four, it'll come up again. I'm having, I take shots. So I have to take shots at, if we're having dinner, I always do it at the table. I'm not embarrassed by it. Um, if they, again, if they can't deal with that, then they're probably the person that's, they're probably not the person for me. Um, yeah, you just said something and I actually booked two of these because I thought one, one perspective might not be enough on this. Yeah. You know, um, and as I'm sitting here thinking, like, 
Like, what do you say? Like, hey, buddy, if my eyes roll back in my head, it might not be because you're a stud. Just, you know, pay attention to me like a little. Like, I just that's the part I'm wondering about. Like, do you like do I have to do I have to come into the bed with you thinking I'm looking for signs of her getting low or do or is it smart for you to say, hey, look, my blood sugar is really good right now. I don't think this is going to be a problem. Let's bang this out the way you want to. Like, is I I don't put that pressure on the other person and, and maybe I should. Um but it's my, you know, maybe this is wrong, but like, it's my disease and I'm, I'm self-aware. I'm really, like I said, I'm really sensitive to when I go low. Okay. So I usually proactively tell the person like, Hey, I need sugar. I need juice. I need something in your house. And then I don't expect exactly explain like the symptoms that they'll see until maybe like I am intimately involved. You know, I, I've explained that to my boyfriend now and we've been together about two months. And so he knows, and and he actually watches my Dexcom now for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's my, he's my, he's got the watch app or whatever it's called, um, the follow app. Wow. And so that's like a different level of intimacy when you get to that point. Yeah. Okay. So nuts and bolts questions. Does your blood sugar stay more stable in certain positions than others? Um, I would say it definitely goes down. If I'm on top, I'm doing most of the work and it definitely, I'm in more danger at that point. So I, if, you know, I'm not going to get too far into my own situation, but a lot of times I do, I do make sure that I've got, I'm at a good number. And if I'm not, I take some juice before I start. Gotcha. Um, cause my thought was like being serious again, that if you're on top and you're doing more of the work and it's more like aerobic exercise, does the exercise get balanced out by the adrenaline or is there not after you're a certain, I mean, I, but you're an adult, you've been doing this a while. I'm sure you're not excited like a schoolgirl every time you do it. Right. Like, so it's not yeah. like, you're not like, Oh my gosh, sex. Finally. Like, you know, like I'm so excited. And so it's not going to be like that. Um, and so I thought, well, probably the answer is low. So is there a, like, do you, is there an amount of time where you're just like, okay, we're switching now? Or is it not in your head like that? Like, I don't know, obviously. I'm really trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's just not really in my head like that mm-hmm. as far as, I, I was, I'll say this. I was in one previous relationship where sex would last like over an hour sometimes. Like it was, he, this guy was just a little crazy about everything. And I went low more during that relationship than I ever but I wouldn't say like my norm is really lasting, you know, I don't even know, maybe somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes is probably like an average experience. It's not like an extended experience. And so I don't feel like I have, to, I'm exerting as much energy as if I was at the gym or something like that. So right. I'm not as worried about it anymore. Let, let me ask you a sex question outside of diabetes for a second. Tell the men one hour too much. If you gotta be real creative, if gotcha. you're gonna take that much time, and mm-hmm. this guy was, so I'll just say that you know, <laughs> good there's for a, him, good for him, exactly. <laughs> good for you, by the way, you, you really gotta be creative, though. <laughs> so it wasn't just it wasn't just the the um he wasn't just in the center circle. He had the whole big top going. There were clowns on one side, fire truck on the other. There were elephants coming through. He had a lot going on. It wasn't there was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot going on gotcha. for sure. Gotcha. Well, listen. That's lovely. You know, that, that is, that seriously, it, it infers like forethought, right? Like, you yeah. know, he's, you know, he's at work in the afternoon going, what we're going to do is we're going to start out with this and then I'm going to head over to this and then we'll do that and then we'll finish up here. And like, that, he's really yeah. thoughtful, you know, like instead of just, bah. 
I will say like, cause I don't think, I don't think there are a lot of men out there like that, but that relationship was one of the first after I got divorced and he and the gentleman had just recently gotten divorced. And so I think both of us were really excited to, to do things that were different than we had experienced, you know, for it being in a monogamous relationship for nine years. Gotcha. So <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. All right. All right. Good for you. By the way, Alex, you're doing such a lovely job of talking in between this. I, I get, I'm assuming you're treating me like I'm your mom and we're talking about sex. Like you're almost saying stuff and then not quite. And yeah. uh, I like that very much. I have to tell you, I'm very proud of my own um, maturity because I thought of something to say earlier that I thought was funny. And I thought, mm, that's too crass. Don't say it. And so, <laughs> and so I held it inside. I found myself thinking, I wish I could get to know Alex. We could become really good friends, and then I could say that. Uh, but <laughs> well, I, I there isn't there isn't a lot that surprises me anymore. You know, I'm 37 and I'm Southern, and so I learned a certain way to talk. But I also live in Chicago now, and people are very direct here. So yeah. it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, honestly, you know, it's funny you said that. It really was more about the directness of what I was going to say than the words of it. And so yep. I, I actually found a way to say it differently, but. Um, but the way it popped into my head, I thought she's going to hang up if I say that. <laughs> just be click dead silence. Like what's going on? Alex? Hello. 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 It's like, oh, a bridge too far. Um, sure. Uh, okay. So what are your expectations? I can't believe I'm going to jump back into diabetes talk here, but what are your expectations about having a pump? What are you looking most forward to with pumping? Oh, um, so, and this is, you know, this is very forward thinking, but, I, my boyfriend and I, you know, things have been going very well. I'm 37. Um, I am worried about potentially having a baby at some point and really not knowing how to use a pump, not knowing how to make my blood sugar tighter. So that's sort of in the back of my mind. It's not the reason, total reason why I'm getting a pump, but it's like, I want to start to get prepared if things continue to go very well in my relationship that I am the healthiest I possibly can be when I'm ready. Like when, when we want to be ready for that, I want to be able to push go and just be ready for that. So I'm, I am really excited about the idea of being able to, especially the highs, like just, I get really lazy. I don't want to get up off the couch and go get my pens because I'm like, you know, ate Chinese food an hour ago. Like I just want to be able to easily, easily adjust in small amounts. Push a button. I'm pretty pumped about that actually. Well, you're going to be an interesting place, really, because you're going to come into this soon. And about the time you figure out what you're doing, if you stay with Omnipod, their algorithm is going to come on the market. And then you're going to have the ability, if you want to use, um, you know, let your Dexcom and your pump together make decisions with an algorithm about your insulin. Yeah, I've been reading about that, actually. I asked my endocrinologist about it, and she didn't know anything. But I am. that's another reason I, I'm definitely wanting everyone was talking about to me about the t-slim and about Mm -hmm. how it already does it but the idea of having a wire and again being naked with a wire and all that kind of stuff it just it it doesn't appeal to me i want i want to not have a wire and then yeah be able to control the other thing that people on tubed pumps end up having to make a decision about is am i going to keep this pump attached to me while i'm having sex or am i going to or am i going to disconnect and now when i disconnect i'm not even getting my basal insulin anymore Right. So is every one of my sexual experiences going to end with a high blood sugar? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and, and is that, uh, is that going to be an hour or two of me getting it back down again? And at what point does that end up impacting your decision to have sex? Like, maybe you're like, yo, I'd love to, but I don't want my blood sugar getting high. Then I'm going to bring it back down. And then I'm always awake two hours after you're asleep. And like, what if that's that, but with an Omnipod, you can wear it. 
constantly yeah. having that. I would 100% expect that that would play into my decision-making about having sex is the, the, just the pain of dealing with all of that. You know, the pens, the pens have been good for me, but they're pain in the ass sometimes. So they, that is what's preventing me from addressing my highs as, as much and as quickly as I should. Sure. And so if you thought you had to take off a tube pump to have sex, you might end up not having sex because, and I'm going to use a term that a friend of mine uses that I don't think I've ever used on here, but it's one of the more, I love this term. He always says the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Yes. And I think in this, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just not like, why am I going to go through all this just to have sex with you? Then I'm going to feel not well afterwards and maybe I won't get my blood sugar back down. And that would be a shame, really. It would be sad if that was the trade-off you started making. And I think, I really do believe that like impromptu sex is one of the greatest gifts that we have as humans. Like, I think it's a wonderful thing just to be laying there and then just quickly decide like, I'm going to start doing this. And and that the idea of not being able to do that as easily is not appealing to me. It, almost like the idea of like, um, God, you're you're probably old enough to remember this, and maybe people still do it before Viagra. There were guys who would have to give themselves injections in like the shaft of their penis to get erect, like that, and you had to plan ahead for it. Like I'm going to give myself. Like what happens if you inject yourself, and then later people are like, ah, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Like, yeah, it, what if you get in a fight with yeah, your spouse or whatever? Which Absolutely. Is probably going to happen when they see you injecting something into your penis. So um, they're just going to be like, why did I pick this guy? Uh, but but no, but like the seriousness of it is, is that the spontaneity is what you're talking about. And once you lose that, then I guess the magic's a little like dissipated too. You know what I mean? Like I hear that. Like that makes sense to me. So so do you still do that? But you said you do that though. You check your blood sugar a little bit before. Like, so I, I usually do, but like also, and I'll, I mean, not to get too specific, but it's like, I'll check, I check it before I go to bed. And so it's like, I I'm checking it already. I'm laying in bed and maybe I'm talking for a little while with my boyfriend. And then it's kind of like, I don't want to talk anymore. I, I think I want to do something different, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's more of that. Like I've checked it within, within a decent amount of time. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I, I actually finding myself apologizing before I say this, but I do think it's important for people to hear and I don't know the answer to it. So I'm going to find a really creative way to talk around it. Um, does sex that you get to keep your pants on for impact you too? Mm, I'm not sh- exactly sure what you mean, but imagine um, sex you could give to somebody that wouldn't include the loss of your pants. Uh, like orals? No. Yeah, I'm Alex not, is I'm not following. Wing people change your blood sugar. Is Got right. it. I understand. Um, no, it doesn't. Okay. Uh, no, that. Um, no, it doesn't. That's not like. Yes, they call it a job, but it's not a. Usually it's not, not a long enough work. time. It's not a usually a long enough period of time for me, at least. Alex, are you bragging? Might- are you bragging right bit, now? Maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, but it's usually not that big of a deal. And then honestly, like a lot of men I've been with, like some of them like it and some of them aren't as into it. And I know you're going to probably debate me on that, but no, I believe some that. men are just, some men are just like, no, I'd rather just have sex. And so that's, a, you know, a different thing. No, I have a friend who did not ever want that. And I, I didn't understand it, but he was solely how he felt. So it just yeah. wasn't something he was interested in. Um, Okay, I just didn't know if there was enough, I don't know what, like adrenaline or like, you know, if that impacts your blood sugar or if it's, you know, if there's actual effort that that goes into it that 
the you know I don't have any experience with this one specific thing. Um, yeah, my head usually really. moves in a different direction when I'm doing something similar than that, but it's still I guess the same idea. Okay, so not that not the thing there where even your mouth wouldn't be involved. That's not a problem. You don't have to plan ahead for that. Um, and you're so good at it. Apparently it doesn't take very long anyway. So that's, is that experience by the way, or enthusiasm? I think it's enthusiasm. Yeah. I was wondering. I think, I think that's the, I think, I think a lot of women, you know, uh, maybe don't like doing it. And I, it's never been a problem for me. I don't mind it at all. It's, I like the intimacy factor of it. Nice. So, um, I think it's a hundred percent enthusiasm. Cool. All right. Have I now, here's where we get to the part. I usually say this with a few minutes left, but I'm saying it today with more time left because I fully expect that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about here. So what am I not asking you that you should be telling me? I think there, you know, and I have, I'm going to shamelessly plug my little Instagram. I just started. It's really new. It's called, um, dating with diabetes, but I think there are so many nuances when you're dating and, you know, I, I'm 37. I got divorced. I went on dating apps. Um, a lot of people, that's most of the time I feel like how people meet now you're meeting basically strangers and you're meeting people that maybe you've texted with for a few days and you know, you're going out and there's a lot of room for people to judge you when you tell them that you have diabetes. And there is a little bit of anxiety that goes with that. And, you know, telling somebody that you barely know, that you're trying to convince that you're like the greatest woman you've ever, you know, they've ever met. And then saying, oh, by the way, I have this chronic condition. And I think not enough people talk about that and talk about the right time to bring that up in the dating process. And then you get to the really wonderful time that I'm in right now where I'm with somebody who cares so much about me and wants to watch my Dexcom, wants to be there watching it and wants, and then seeing them learn about my diabetes when again, they don't, they haven't known me my whole life. Um, but they want to learn about this disease and that level of intimacy is like the level of intimacy that like, like, it's like, I feel like as good as getting married on your, on your wedding day. Like you, the day that I, that he was like, Nope, I'm going to start following your Dexcom. I'm getting emotional talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it was one of the greatest days of my entire life. And he's, he's the second person I've had do that, but it is a different level of intimacy at least for me, because my parents didn't do that for me, that I've never experienced. And that is a wonderful thing. Is that acceptance, it feels like? It's acceptance. It's that I'm not doing this alone. Mm-hmm. I've got somebody that has that didn't choose to, like, n- not only didn't choose to have this disease, but doesn't have this disease that's taking on this burden with me. Right. That's a lot to ask of somebody. And, um, and you weren't and married, just, so it wasn't thrust upon them. It wasn't like they had no choice. Like they have no, a choice when they're doing it. We don't live together. We have, you know, we live about fifteen minutes apart, so it's not really very long of a Uber ride. And he, we, he's got find, you know, find me on on his iPhone, and I can see where he is. And so, like, if I'm, if if I'm really low, he knows where I am. He can come get me if he needs to. Yeah. Not that that would really get to that point, but he texts me as soon as it start beeping. He, he makes sure that I'm awake and I'm, I'm aware of what's going on both high and low. Yeah. That's beautiful. That really is it, lovely. It, it is beautiful. And I think that, um, this is such an emotional, it's an emotional disease. I think everybody feels that way. You, you feel really high highs and really low lows, excuse the pun. Mm. Um, but with, with intimacy and with a, using the disease to establish intimacy or, or 
I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, um, with somebody, it's a, it's a total like sugar on top. You never know, but somebody else that is, does not have diabetes doesn't have that privilege to have that level of intimacy with somebody. So that is something that we have going for us that other people don't. Right. No, I, I, yeah, you're letting them in a little further than, than just yeah. what normal people have to deal with and, and talk about. How did you, um, is that, so, so dating is you're 37, I'm 48. We're not that far apart, but because of technology changing, the way I met my wife and the way you'll meet your husband is completely different, right? Totally. Like, like I had to meet a person who was within my physical sphere, right? Yeah. And, then and that's I, how I met my, my first husband. Absolutely. Exactly. And then that person had to be attractive to you. And then they had to be attractive back to you. And then you had to ask him out on a date. And there was no like feeling. It felt like a long game. Do you know what I mean? But you're right. with app dating, doesn't it feel more like, all right, we met each other. Now let's have sex and see if this is something we want to keep doing. Is that more the vibe now? I don't think it has to be. I think for some people, this is what's wonderful about the world we're living in now mm -hmm. is that women, I think more than ever have more choices before you're waiting for a guy to come up to you at a bar or to ask you out. And I know it can work the other, I know it can work the other way around right. to all my feminist listeners, but for the most part, you're waiting around, but we as women now have a lot more choice in Bumble. The woman has to speak first. Um, you have more opportunity to go after what you want. I feel like women now are more sexually empowered. Um, there's more of a focus on, no, we're going to make sure that we have an orgasm just as much as the guy is. You know, there's just a, things have changed a lot with, with apps and the control that we have. So I think that's cool. I've never used apps just to have sex. That's not who I am. Mm -hmm. I think that apps aren't that different in the way of, um, you know, you're meeting somebody at a bar, you're meeting somebody on an app. There's going to be a, a mix of crazies. There's going to be a mix of decent men and there's going to be a mix of people you just don't want to ever talk to again. So it, it just um, opens up your ability to see people. Yeah. Really like, right. It, it gives you more people. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, there's honestly. a lot more people in in the mix now. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Uh, I think there's also a lot more opportunity. You, you, you know, you ghosting is a big thing. I don't know if you know that that term, but you go on a couple dates or one date with somebody, you think it goes well, and then you just never hear hear from the person again because mm -hmm. there's this infinite opportunity to meet plenty of other people. Right. And so you can maybe feel like you're mining for perfection more. Like, like yes. I liked her, but eh. She had a hammer toe. So I'm going to keep going like that kind of weirdness where there just feels like there's no end to the people you can choose from. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I think about I used to be a big Seinfeld fan and I think about Jerry and he would um, come up with all these weird excuses of, you know, her hair is too straight or whatever the thing was. And a lot of people do that on dating apps. Um, and so when you think about through the lens of diabetes, you're kind of worried, like, well, is this going to be the one random thing that he's going to be like, nah, I don't want to I don't want to mess with this girl. She's right. got a chronic condition that costs a lot of money and might affect my life in some way. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to move on to the next person. So let me ask you a question that might be tough to answer and maybe not. If you're on one of those apps and you meet somebody and you get there and they have diabetes too, how do you feel about that? Oh my God, that would be the dream. I've been like searching for that my whole life. Okay. Um, I, I've never, I don't meet very many people. Um, with diabetes, one of the reasons I wear my Dexcom on my arm actually is because I do have perfect strangers and I like it when perfect strangers come up to me and say, Hey, I've got diabetes. 
Um, I had a guy at the gym do that the other day. He showed me his Dexcom. It was kind of a cool, it's a cool, it's a cool moment when you get to meet a, a diet buddy. Um, I've never, I've never met anybody. I, I never had it on my dating profile of, Hey, I'm a type one diabetic. I've done little subtle things like, Hey, I support JDRF, um, or something like that of causes I like, uh-huh. but I've never been outward about it on like just the dating profile aspect of it. But I wish there was a dating app for diabetics. I think it would be really cool to meet another diabetic and and live a life together with somebody like that. Hmm. It doesn't sound impossible, does it? (laughs) I'm busy, so I can't do it. So if anybody thinks it's a great idea, go ahead and run with it. Uh, Yeah. No, but that that's I listen, you seem like a lovely person. And I thought that's what you were going to say. But I you know, you meet people who are sometimes self-hating in a lot of different ways and they don't realize it about themselves. Like, like I just wanted to hear if you would say, Oh no, I wouldn't want to date somebody with this. It's too much trouble. Like I already have trouble with my, I didn't think you'd be the person to say that, but I think somebody must feel that way. I'm sure people do. I think that people probably would need to change their, I don't know how you live your life like that. If you're so negative on your disease, like, like I always try to look for the silver lining, i.e. we have a way to have a level of intimacy that others don't. Um, you know, with, with this disease, there's, there's positives to having type one. I truly believe that we have a sense of community that other people don't. Um, there's, you get to listen to this wonderful podcast, you know, and other people wouldn't. I was going to agree with you. Then you brought up the podcast. Now it just seems like I'm saying something nice about myself, but I, (laughs) I have absolutely seen things that have benefited my daughter that would not exist without type one. So it's hard to argue with it. And you have it. It's not like you can decide not to have it. So you might as well find those good things and lean into them. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember when I was doing my research study when I was first diagnosed, and that's when my ex-husband and I got back together. And at the time, that was a very positive thing. And I would I was meeting these other newly diagnosed people. And I was like, hey, I I have a boyfriend again because of, you know, this diagnosis. You know, you you find whatever you can kind of grasp onto that is the silver lining mm-hmm. um, with anything. All right, I'm going to flip-flop again, Alex. Um, can blood sugars affect... I'm having trouble saying the word. Like, I almost stopped myself. It's, it's not... There's nothing wrong with it. It's just like, can it affect lubrication, uh, excitement, arousal? Like, are there blood sugars where you can't be horny? Like, that I kind don't, of stuff? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I'm not a doctor. I feel like I, I feel like I should ask my doctor that though. For you personally, I, do know, I guess. Yeah, no, no, I don't think it does. I definitely just as a woman, your menstrual cycle probably affects that more than anything, but um no, not for me. Okay. Right. I usually don't have any issues right. with right. that. Gotcha. So I could if you're in the mood, you're in the mood. It wouldn't matter if your blood sugar was a hundred or two hundred or I'm I'm assuming though there's a, a a blood sugar where that you wouldn't want to do anything, let alone sex though. Yeah, if I'm in the 300s, I I'm getting that blood sugar down because I don't feel good, and so I'm not probably not feeling very sexy in that moment in time. That's probably more so the mental aspect of just the way you feel than anything else. I'm going to ask you to consider that perhaps your boyfriend is just tracking your blood sugar to make sure you're always in range so you're available to have sex. <laughs> that could be, you know, that could be the case. I'm sure he's just a wonderful person who cares about you, but um, <laughs> you know, if if little voices didn't make up stories in my head while I was doing this podcast, you wouldn't enjoy listening to it. So um, I just really. You know, you know, there's somebody out there who's just like, oh, I got to keep her in the hundreds. She's better in the 150s. Um, it's funny, too, because athletes will come on here and talk about their performance. Um, and over 200, they can feel their dexterity lessen, their foot speed goes away, like stuff like that. And 
you know, it's just all really interesting because it is, it's a physical activity, you know, I mean, I, I guess if you're doing it right, right. Um, yep. And so it could be, what about, um, I just, the one thing you said that I wanted to just dig a little more into is you said you would never give yourself a, sh- like a shot while you were, if you were high while you were having sex. But do you think if once you're on a pump, if it was just pushing a button, do you think you would? Yeah, I probably would. Okay. So you don't, I, I probably you're not would. ignoring it. It's just that the, again, the juice isn't worth the squeeze there. You feel like. No, gotcha. juice isn't worth the squeeze. And I, I still am a little bit weird about doing, um, I do my shots at the table, but I'm also not like, Hey, here's my shot. I'm going to do it right now in front of you. I'm a little bit weird about doing shots in, in front of other people. Cause, um, Everybody feels differently, even even though like my boyfriend might be like, oh, I don't care. Like seeing a needle go into somebody else's body is a little uncomfortable. And so I just wouldn't want to do that in front of somebody else um, in a sexual moment, at least. Yeah, because it would just it would kill the vibe. It would kill the vibe. Yeah, right. it's a very, you know, cl- it's a cl- literally a clinical thing. That so you doing. would let him see it outside of that moment. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care, but I'm also not like looking. I don't like to sick. bring my att- so, so much attention to myself about it. Yeah. So is this fair to say that when you're coupled with somebody, are you a, um, open door pooper or a closed door? Oh my God. Closed. That I, that is a whole other thing. You're not sharing that with anybody. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, no. It's just interesting. Cause I mean, listen, your imagination can run wild, but I'm seeing every square inch of you in this moment. But the idea of using the needle seems like a bridge too far. Like, I don't want to see that. Um, do you think he would care? Um, about seeing, uh, seeing me give myself a shot. Yeah. And by the way, not to lessen the fact that you would care if that's, you know, that's fine. No, the boyfriend I have now, no, not at all. I have been on dates with people. This is kind of like a surefire. Like, I'm not sure if this relationship's really going to go anywhere, but if they're like, if they're like, yeah, they're afraid (laughs) of needles. I'm like, get, get over yourself. You know, I, I have an attitude about that. I'm like, you're not a child. People do this every day, um, and I probably have more of an attitude about it. I had a client one time that made a very big deal. I used to travel with her quite a bit, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'm on the road. Like, there's, I'm in New York City. We're at an event. Like, I'm having to to work right now, and I have to give myself a shot. And she would make a huge deal about me going to the bathroom, and I, I, it became kind of a. I got to bring it up to my boss. It became kind of like a work issue because mm-hmm. she was so afraid of quote unquote, afraid of seeing needles. And so I have a bad attitude about people who say that now. Um, I'm like, get over it. I didn't choose this disease. Look away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about you go to the bathroom and I'll stay here and take care of my blood sugar. How's that sound? Right. Unbelievable. Hey, listen, here's a good time to say I'm looking for someone who's been in prison who has type one diabetes. If you have, please reach out. I'd like to do an after dark episode with you. Um, seems really interesting to me for some reason. That seems very interesting. I would be worried about that person all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I'm, I'd love to talk to somebody who's been incarcerated for a length of time with diabetes or even just, you know, in holding for a couple of days. Like I would, I I just want to know. I think that would be uh, very interesting to people. Okay. Have we missed anything? Because I've, because please keep in mind as we're doing this, I'm not a woman and I don't have diabetes. I have zero perspective for my questions. I can only kind of just think of the things that, you know, pop into my head that I'm like, oh, maybe this would be an issue or maybe somebody would care about this. Like, I really don't have that experience in any meaningful way. So, um, if I'm- um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that I think more so I have something to say about, I am 
your daughter I know is young and she should, you know, not have sex until she's ready. But I hope that people don't ever feel like they're less beautiful for wearing a pod or a Dexcom or any of those things. Cause I've struggled a lot with that in my life. And I hope that women start, you know, we start to normalize beauty. Like Dove has done a, I'm, I work in advertising. So like Dove's done a beautiful job of normalizing what we, what we consider beautiful with, of women in advertising. And like, I would love to see a, you know, Dexcom. I know they listen to this. I would love to see like a Dexcom ad of women in lingerie with Dexcoms or partner with Dove or do something like that. But, you know, we have to start normalizing some of these things that we're afraid of. Yeah. No, it would be amazing if him, that, that Dove ad, as an example, if somebody was wearing some sort of a device in it, it wouldn't even matter what it was really just no, somebody I, could see it, you know? Yeah. I was in New Orleans the other day and uh, I was at the Superdome. Um, I do a lot of event work and there is an ad it's, it's, I forgot who it's for, but there's one of the athletes and he's wearing an Omnipod, um, plastered across, uh, like when you're walking into the, into the Superdome plastered across this. And so, and he's, he's diabetic. And so it's for this hospital and it was a diabetes type of genre of advertising, but I was proud. I took a picture of it. I was proud to see it. You know, it's yeah. the first time I'd really seen large scale advertising, somebody wearing something diabetic. I think that's super cool. Yeah. Well, we always talk about representation around gender or, or you know, sexual like you know the way you identify but like that's important for everybody to see yourself mm -hmm. in something else right like it's just it's incredibly important otherwise you hide and that's absolutely that's terrible that it's just it's terrible if you're hiding and so i guess what i'll say is that even though i, I don't feel like i'm talking about sex i completely agree with you i don't want my daughter living a life where she's with guys she doesn't mean to be with because of, you know, she she doesn't feel good about herself or she doesn't want to speak up or that she wouldn't do something because she'd be afraid of what somebody saw. Like that to me would be horrible. Like it really is. It's a part about parenting we don't talk about very frequently. But, you know, you parent your kids through all these things and then they get to like the sexual part of their lives and we really don't help them anymore. Because, right. You know, because of embarrassment or, or, you know, maybe on both sides or whatever. But you know, so there's ways to talk to your children before that time comes up where you can instill in them a real, like, like meaningful self-confidence that should transcend a lot of the different situations in their life. And I think yep. that, you know, hopefully that'll help them with, you know, with being intimate with people as well. That's uh, that makes sense to me. Absolutely. Alex, you are terrific. Thank you very much. This is not a comfortable thing to do. I wouldn't imagine. Would you tell me what was it not? I, I think, you know, again, I have a different perspective about it. I wish people talked about sex and sexuality more. Um, I'm very open with my personal life. I think that, uh, I tried to do at least, I tried, I tried to clean it up where I could and be as, um, have as much decorum as I could, but, um, I felt you make it easy. You make it easy to talk about this type of thing. I'll say that. Well, thank you. I have one silly question. Have you ever uttered the words, not on my CGM? <laughs> No, um, I've definitely, I mean, I've, especially with the arm stuff, you know, when I'm wearing my arm, I've definitely been grabbed a few times in a good way. Right. Um, you know, and, and I'm like, Hey, watch out, you know? So no, no, not those specific words. No. Have you ever covered it in that moment? And um, how do you decide between your hair and the CG? <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. Um, um. <laughs> men, you know, it's funny. Well, I think. Whenever I've been with somebody that has grabbed my arm in kind of a you know a mm -hmm. rougher way or whatever in a good way, um, 
I think they get really scared and, and they, <laughs> they're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. But, you know, it's, it's probably even more of that reaction. Yeah. It's, it's very much, um, you know, so I'm going to tell a story here and then I will let you go. So, um, this is an incredibly personal story. I, uh, I wrote a book a number of years ago and I got to do a, um, a book signing at a major bookstore. And it was during the week and I was excited. I was up early in the morning, super excited. My wife had stayed home from work to help throughout the day and come to the book signing and everything. And I, you know, we've been married for a fairly long time, but I came upstairs when she was waking up and I was like, Hey, what's up? And she's like, nothing. I'm like, I have my book signing today. And she's like, right. I'm like, doesn't that seem like the sort of thing that people celebrate with sexual activity? And she's like, (laughs) she looks at me like, uh, it's hard to say no to that. So he's probably right. So she's like, yeah, I think so. Right. So in my excitement, because I had been married a really long time and I thought to myself, She'll change her mind. Like, I have to get to the act before she goes, why am I saying yes to this? So I'm like, I sort of leap into bed, and I very much, by mistake, pin one of her nipples to the mattress with my hand. Oh, God. And that's what you made me think of when you said sometimes people can grab it and be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, because I just leapt back, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And it just, it gave me the same feeling, like that idea of, I'm enthusiastic, but I, you know, I, I pinched you or I, you know, I stepped on your foot or whatever it ends up being like, it's just, it's such a shocking thing in that moment. And you are so sorry about it when it happens. You're just like, and you feel embarrassed too, a little bit like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Um, luckily for me, I was able to persist, but, um, it was, it was like, it gave me that feeling when you said that, like that idea of like, you know, you know, could somebody reach, you know, is is like I guess hips would probably be a bad place, right? Yeah. yeah. The hip, the, so I'm wearing it like right above my butt right now, and yes, it's been that sort of is in the place of where I sometimes am grabbed, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so it's happening probably a little bit right now, more than it has on my arms. But um, it's a real thing, and and you know, it's hopefully you're hopefully it's on strong enough where it's not going to just come off or get ripped off easily. And it's, and, and from a purely emotional standpoint, you're beyond it now, right? Like if you started out with your CGM on your back above your butt and you were on the bottom and then suddenly somebody was like, Hey, flip over. You wouldn't think, Oh, but my CGM's there. No, I'm no, you start. Yeah. I feel like it takes like maybe two weeks and then you're kind of like, no, that thing's on there. It's not probably going to come off unless you're on a Pilates machine. Right. And, and, and the same as, and somebody seeing it also stops bothering you after you realize it's not a problem for them. Totally. I I think the first, I think, well, I don't know the first time you have sex with anybody and they, they see you with it, you know, and you're in a sexual situation. Valentine's is come. Valentine's day is coming up. And so a lot of women, you know, myself included, you go get maybe a special outfit for that evening activities. Mm -hmm. And you're worried about like, I, when I went and picked my outfit out, I was like, well, what's going to kind of cover up this area? Like I do look for stuff like that. Um, cause I want to be a sexual person to, to my boyfriend, you know, I don't want to look like a robot. Right. So I think you, you do and you don't, you start to care, but then sometimes there's a special occasions where you're like, you're like, I care more, I guess, yeah. you know, it sounds like not unlike most of life. It's a balance. Really. Absolutely. Have find, Absolutely. Have to find where you're comfortable and kind of stay in that space. All right, Alex. Um, I really appreciate this. I thank you so very much. Um, I'm glad you did this. I a hundred percent 
didn't imagine anyone would when I said it out loud. There have been times, like, honestly, like the drinking thing, I thought, okay, someone will do that, right? And even the weed thing, I thought that'll probably happen. But you and I are recording, and in two days, there's going to be an addiction episode of this podcast, like a a really serious um, trauma and addiction episode with somebody. And now you're talking about very openly about having sex from a female perspective. There's going to be a guy that comes on and talks about it from a male perspective. Um, it's really cool that people are willing to do this. I think that it's important what you're doing of this, because these are not things that are, it's one of the reasons I started my dating with diabetes, you know, Instagram, like people just don't talk about this kind of thing and they should, there are so many resources for, for parents and for, you know, newly diagnosed and that kind of thing. But as you get to be an adult, there's just not as much stuff for us. So it's really nice. And people cute it up sometimes when they do it. And that's not what this needs. Like, right. I, I really need you to tell me, like, look, you know, while we're doing it in this position, your thing shouldn't be like, that's what we need. Like real, like, like, like real talk, right? Like mm-hmm. just absolutely how things are. So people don't have to wonder and let them, let them hear it. So they're not struggling. Like, it just seems horrible to me that people could struggle with something yeah. like this, but you were so eloquent about it. It's a, a real emotional decision to make. And, you know, I don't think we give people enough, uh, information about that so seriously it was really well done i appreciate it i'm going to stop this and ask you one brief question okay so, thanks so much thank you huge thanks to alex for the bravery it showed to come on today and talk about her sex life and having type 1 diabetes equally as brave the support of dexcom omnipod and touched by type 1 always huge thanks to the sponsors There are links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com, but you can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, or touchedbytype1.org to learn more about the sponsors of the Juicebox Podcast.